0: This is an especially joyful night for us here at Crossway. Amen. Amen. Tonight we formally install Doug Wallacher as the preaching pastor here with us. Uh, Doug and Breanne, as you know, about a year ago, we uh, learned that we were going to be looking for a new preaching pastor. Um, you know Pastor John, you've met him, you've had him in your home even, and um, you know at least in part what this congregation is about you you know us you've been here with us you know where we stand theologically you know what our uh, ministry model is here and you know the things that we hold dear um, you've been with us on several occasions in the past even long before we started looking for a pastor and over the last uh, year you have walked with us as we went through the pastor search process so we thank you for your patience and we are thrilled that god has led you to us and has led our congregation to you it is uh, no secret that um, i've known you both for a long time probably a lot longer than we care to uh, admit uh, Brianne, I've known your name longer than I've actually known you. Uh, my little brother had a crush on Brienne in, like, third grade. And so my other brother and I, of course, uh, decided to use that repeatedly on several occasions to make fun of him. So I knew your name. I met you later. Um, and, and Doug, I, I knew you when you were a 14-year-old punk Friend of my little brother, a mediocre wrestler at Jefferson. And, um, and, and I never thought in a million years you would be a pastoral candidate for a church that I was at. So uh, it has been very cool to see the marked difference in your life uh, over the last 20 years. Um, I've got to see you uh, mature and grow in Christ. Um, and it has been awesome reconnecting with you over the last five or six years. Um, and we are excited that you guys are here last year crossway put down the criteria that we wanted that we thought was biblical for a new pastor the qualifications that the bible commands for a pastor first he was to have godly character we said that he must leave a go- he, he must lead quote a gospel-centered life of faith and repentance he should be an example of personal godliness and he should be a leader of a well-ordered family. Godly character, that was what the Bible stressed more than anything for a pastor. That was our number one criteria, and right alongside that, we stressed that he must have ministry competency and training. He must be equipped to preach and to teach the word of God. So that this includes the ability to teach, to preach, to explain, to apply the scriptures to the congregation for their maturity, to, quote, defend the congregation from false teachers, to equip members for ministry, and train other leaders to serve at Crossway or be sent out into other ministry fields. Tonight, we're going to look at God's word to find, uh, where we find Paul commanding both of these things to a young pastor, Timothy. Doug, we believe that you have sought the Lord in both of these areas, and tonight we want to exhort you to a life that continues to seek after the Lord. For all of us, we want to look to the scriptures so we can pray for Doug. And so we can encourage Doug as he goes into pastoral ministry here at Crossway. So, tonight if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, please turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We are going to start in verse 11. 1 Timothy 4. Paul says, Command and teach these things. and on the teaching, persist in this. For by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. May God bless the reading of his inerrant word. Paul has spent the better part of three and a half chapters up to this point exhorting Timothy in his pastoral ministry. He has pointed to Christ who has come to save sinners and forgive sinners. He has ascribed all glory to the king of ages, the immortal, invisible, God, only wise. He has warned Timothy that he must correct and rebuke false teachers. He's described how the church should be set up with pastors and with deacons serving. He's listed the criteria in chapter 3 for a man to serve as a pastor. Said, uh, he has said to do all of this because, quote, in verse 10, we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Then we get to this passage. Here he tells Timothy, as a pastor of God's people, guard your life, guard your teaching, and persist. First thing Paul puts forward here then is to teach the word. He, he exhorts him to teach the word. Verse eleven. In verse eleven, we have a straightforward directive. He says, "Command and teach these things." Well, what, what things is he talking about? Uh, He, he this includes certainly the previous paragraph that we just read where it says we have our hope set on the living God, Uh, but I think it includes the entire letter where he's exhorting Timothy to this pastoral ministry He's saying command and teach these things. When he says command, he says you are not to do this timidly. There is an authority with which he is to instruct the church. He is not to shrink back from teaching things, hard things but he is to boldly proclaim them. Now, how can Timothy do this? How can he tell Timothy, a young dude, command these things of a church filled with people that are older than him, people that are, are maybe more even mature than him? How can he tell him to, te- to say this with authority? He can tell him to say it with authority because he is standing firmly on the word of God. He's telling him to command these things, these things of the word of God. We see, we see a bit more where Paul is coming from in the next verse, he te- tells Timothy to let no one despise you for your youth. Paul, Paul's instructing Timothy to stand firm on the word of God, teaching with all authority, not because he has some esteemed social position or because he is uh, you know, old and people will automatically listen to, to him and demand respect. He's, uh, he is to teach with authority because he is speaking on behalf of the Lord. He is to boldly, and clearly proclaim the word of God. He's been, he's been given an important and weighty job. He is not to do this as a coward. He has, uh, he has to have full confidence, and not in himself, but in the word. So Paul goes goes on then in the letter to say, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have. He's laying down the primary responsibility for Timothy as a pastor of the flock. Teach the Word. Devote yourself to the Word, to proclaiming the Word, to exhorting people from the Word, and to do all this because God has called and equipped you to do so. This is what a pastor is to do. This is what our pastor is to do. So Doug, command these things. Teach these things. Don't shrink back. Come to this pulpit with full confidence and conviction that the God of the universe has spoken in his word and he has given you the job to proclaim that word. Read it. Explain what it means. Do not come with confidence because of your age. You're kind of a young dude. Right, Don't come with confidence because of your education. We all know that you're smart. All right, Come with confidence because you are preaching the word of God. Command it. Teach it. You've been given a weighty job, and don't take this lightly. We are entrusting you the task of reading the word, of praying over the word in the congregation, explaining what the word means, and applying it to our lives. This particular congregation. We are exercising our trust in you this evening. We know that our spiritual health depends on our intake from the word, and one of the main ways we get that is from our pastor on Sunday morning bringing the word forward and explaining what it means. Understanding the word is not the entirety of the Christian life, but the Christian life depends on it. We need it. It is a absolute must. It is through the word and the one who proclaims it explains it and applies it that the Spirit works to convict us of sin and for, us to, uh, for our lives to change to follow Christ more closely. We believe that God has led you here to do these things, command these things, teach these things. In church, we all have a part in this as well. Listen to Doug. Specifically, listen to the commands and teaching that Doug brings from God's Word. Paul is telling Timothy to teach with authority. And he's telling Timothy to teach with authority to the church. He is implying that the church is there listening. The church is there submitting to the word. The church is there humbly listening to the word and understanding what they need to do in their lives, falling down on their face, praising King Jesus, repenting of sin, building one another up. Encourage him in this. There is not much more discouraging things for a pastor than a church that calls him to command and teach the word and then fights him tooth and nail every bit of the way. We, we don't want to be found unfaithful. Rather, we want the Lord to say, well done. Listen to Doug. And Doug, teach the word. Guard your doctrine. Lead us to follow the good shepherd with humble hearts. Paul's calling Timothy to teach the word here, and then he's also calling him to live the word. He's calling him to live the word. Starting in verse 12, it says, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. We see that Timothy is called to be an example for the church that he's at. This command should not come as any surprise if you've read through the letter. Right, Paul is calling Timothy to pastor the church, and previously in chapter 3, he outlines exactly what those qualifications are for somebody who is to do that. He says, starting in verse 1, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Outside of the qualification able to teach, what do these things all have in common? They are are character qualities of the individual who is seeking to lead the church. He must be above reproach. We cannot be bringing charges of immorality against our pastor. He must exercise fidelity in his marriage relationship. Love your wife. He must be sober-minded and self-controlled able to restrain himself and not bring reproach on the church. He must be respectable. He must be well thought of by outsiders. He must be hospitable and generous, welcoming people uh, into his home. He cannot be a drunkard given over to uh, alcohol or any other similar substance. He cannot be a violent man, but quite the opposite, he has to be tender. He must manage his home and his family in a way that it's obvious that he is a good leader and they respect his lead. All of these things speak to the character of a man. It is a high calling. Obviously, the call here is not perfection because no one could live up to this perfectly. Outside of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is no one who has, has perfectly led, uh, led a life sinless. But that is not what we're asking for. We're asking for someone to set an example to follow, someone that exemplifies these characteristics. Now, I remember I had the joy of asking the uh, questions in our interview, um, do you exemplify these characteristics? And I remember Doug's answer. He thought about it and it showed both his humility and where his heart is. Uh, He didn't want to say he exemplified the characteristics um, that might imply that he is super confident and not humble and saying, yes, I am always living up to this standard. Um, however he affirmed, that's the type of man he is uh, aspiring to be. Now, I, I know that's a hard question. That's like saying, are you the most humble person in the world? The minute you answer yes, you're back to the bottom of the rung. There is no, no good way to answer that question. Um, however, Doug, we know you. We've got to know you and your wife and your family. We say that, see the way that you interact with each other. We see the way uh, that you interact with your friends uh, all of the references that I talked to had nothing but high things to say about you and it was all about your character. I, I've observed personally your life over the last 20 years and um, not, uh, you, you, you. do. I can say with confidence you do exemplify these things. Um, not perfectly, of course. You are a University of Michigan fan. <laughs> that is a big mark against you, but you <laughs> exemplify these things. We see that you truly love the Lord. You desire to follow him in repentance and faith. And you have a lifestyle that shows you care both for God and for his people. Paul tells Timothy here in chapter 4, set an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. He expects that the pastor will set the bar. He will not contradict what he says with his mouth by the way he lives his life. Doug, we exhort you, set an example. Guard your tongue as the way that you speak to others shows your heart. Guard your conduct. Don't assume that you can cruise through this life without actively fighting sin. We have seen some high-profile pastors brought down recently by secret sin that was brought to light. This can happen to anyone. Don't let your guard down. Fight sin. Set an example in love. You have been charged with shepherding people. Set an example with love. Love this congregation. Love them well. Pour yourself into them. Set an example in faith. With full conviction, live out the life that you say that you believe. And finally, set an example in purity. This is the calling of a pastor. You will be in necessarily a public position. It is crucial to the reputation of this church and the church that you watch your life. One commenter put it like this. You are to ensure that what most impresses other people is your Christian development, your character, and not some lesser thing such as brilliance of exposition or attractiveness of personality. Sinless perfection is not the expectation but a life lived of humble repentance and faith that will shine before those that you interact with is. We implore you, do not grow weary in your personal walk with the Lord, but in even greater ways, draw close to him. Seek a life of holiness. Church, this calling is for us as well. Paul is charging Timothy to be an example. That's an example that is to be followed by the church. We are to exemplify the same character traits that he's calling the pastor to here. We are to seek lives of holiness. We are to seek to live a life that pleases the Lord. We are to fight our sinful fleshly desires. This is not something for super Christians or for pastors or for deacons or only people that are going to be in public ministry. This is for every believer of Christ. That list is something that we are to follow. We expect the pastor to set an example and the pastor expects the people to follow his example as he follows Christ. We are not to be characterized by sin, but we are to be characterized by a life that is sanctified and growing closer and closer to the Lord. He should be leading the charge. We should be following his example. We don't place these things only on him but we are to pursue holiness and godliness. We don't want to, him to feel alone in this. We don't want to drag him down, but we are to do this together. Robert Murray McShane was a pastor in Scotland in the 1800s. Uh, his name might sound familiar here because in the past we've used some of his Bible reading plans as we go through the year. Um, his legacy persists in part uh, because as like this passage teach, teaches, he did not let his young age hinder his ministry. He began serving in a pastoral role when he was 23, and he did not let his youth deter his service, uh, but he was careful to ensure that his character qualified him for the role. He put a premium on holiness in, the li- in his life and the life of his congregation. He died when he was only 30 years old, and on his tombstone it reads, died in the 30th year of his age, The seventh year of his ministry, walking closely with God, an example for the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, he ceased not day and night to labor and to watch for souls. Doug, we have called you knowing that you are a sinner and that you are a sinner saved by grace. We know that you are not perfect. I know that you are not perfect. No one is. But... We have also observed that you are a man who seeks to humbly submit to the word in your life and your practice. Guard your life. Keep a close watch on yourself. Follow the Lord. This is the expectation, and this is what glorifies God. Paul tells Timothy, as a pastor of God's people, to guard his life, to guard his teaching, and finally we see that he is called to persist in the word. He's called to persist in the word. Verse 16 says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. So Paul makes it clear here that this is not a short-term thing. This is a lengthy calling. He's not calling Timothy to a brief assignment, but to a lifetime that's given over to a pursuit of holiness and a ministry of the word. He is to continue on in both of these charges. He is to persist. So, Obviously, this teaches that you can never leave once you are here. Welcome to Hotel California. (laughs) Kidding aside, Paul is telling Timothy to persist. He is telling him to endure. He's telling him to not give up his charge. There are times when this job is going to be hard. You know this based on your experience. This is not an easy job. This is not something that will be clear and smooth and easy, uh, an an easy road, but this will require endurance. It will require a thick skin. It will require resolve to persist. Pursuing a life of holiness is automatically going to be more difficult. Once you step into this pulpit, you will have a target on your back. Satan does not want this to happen. And like 1 Peter 5 says, he is prowling, looking for someone to devour. Persist. Endure. Fight for holiness. Continue to preach and teach the word. Do not grow weary, but grow close to the Lord. You are pointing to Christ, and through your persistence, you are pointing yourself, and you are pointing others to the one that can save their soul. And church, we should be enduring right alongside Doug. We are all in this together. One of the most encouraging things I have ever heard in my time here at Crossway, uh, in my brief time as a pastor here at Crossway, is the affirmation of one of our members um, this past spring. She ensured me that even though this was a difficult year, that they were going nowhere. She reiterated this, that we're all in, there to, in this together. They, they were staying. They were going to pursue holiness together, in Christian community with us together, to study the word together. Just as the pastor is called to endure and persist in following the Lord, we are called to walk with him, live lives of holiness as he leads us, hear from God in his word as he teaches us. And through all this, we are to remain faithful to our God. Doug, when we first announced uh, that you were the pastoral nominee, when it was official, I I texted my family uh, the announcement, and I said that I was, quote, beyond excited that you might become and be our preaching pastor. And selfishly, there's a part of me that's just happy that we get to see you and Brianne and the kids more. It's uh, really cool. I'm really excited that you guys are here. Um, but that is not what I meant. I am beyond excited to be partnering with you in ministry as part of this church because I know who you are, I know who you serve, and I know uh, how you love the Lord. We know each other well, but as anyone on the search team can attest, that had nothing to do with why you were chosen at all. We were praying for a man of God that would walk blamelessly, uh, that would have the ability to teach. As a church, we were praying that we would be led to a guy that had a heart for the Lord and a heart for God's people. As decisions were made, it became clear that God was leading us to you. We have seen your desire to live a holy life. And we have witnessed your ability to teach the word. So as we open this chapter of Crossway, Doug, we exhort you to teach the word. Bring God's word in full confidence. Not confidence in yourself, but in the Lord. Don't don't shrink back from preaching hard texts, but with conviction, preach the statutes and truth that God lays out in his word. Apply the text, even when it's uncomfortable. Preach the word. And Doug, keep a watch on your life. Kill Sin, love your wife, lead your kids, foster a gentle spirit, remain pure both in thought and deed, guard your life, keep watch on yourself and give yourself over to living a life that's pursuing the Lord. And in all this, Doug, persist, endure, remain faithful, even when it becomes hard, because you know that the author and perfecter of your faith is always faithful. His steadfast love endures forever love him and continue to foster your relationship with him persist let's pray heavenly father god we thank you for your church lord we thank you for the way that you have set up your church to be led by pastors your church to be served by deacons your church to be filled with people that are following you lord we thank you For Crossway. We thank you for uh, the process that you have led us through. We thank you for the clear teaching we see here from Paul. Lord, I pray that we are all guarding our lives, that we are all watching our doctrine, and that we are all remaining faithful to you. Lord, I pray especially tonight for Doug. I pray that you give him grace as he steps into this pulpit. I pray that you give him conviction and confidence. I pray that. You help him to foster a life of holiness and to guard his actions and his thoughts. And I pray that you give him persistence and endurance. Lord, we thank you for what you have done here. We pray for the gospel to be, sh- to be spread in this community and beyond. We pray that you are glorified with what we have done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.